United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. It is a coincidence, but it is also an interesting one. That is that Christianity, Islam, and Judaism were celebrating the most sacred periods of fasting and feasting. And we're in the midst of COVID-19, the pandemic, which has caused a reexamination of a lot of different things. And one of the things it has uh, been an opportunity for is our next guest to look at the intersection and what people are doing to sort of use religion in a healing way around the world. Susan Hayward, United States Institute of Peace Senior Advisor on Religion and Inclusive Societies, co-author of A Peace Religion Can Be a Healing Bomb for COVID-19's Disruption, if applied judiciously. And she is tweeting at Susie O., Hayward, Susan Hayward, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Tim. It's great to be here. You did make the point, and, uh, you know, we had, you know, the Passover and, of course, Easter, uh, not to mention uh, some of the other things that were happening at at the same time uh, that we are watching this challenge to us all. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering, put it in perspective for us and how this can be such a, an opportunity as well as a challenge for people around the world. Yeah, absolutely. This is, um, it's quite coincidental, but I think also quite um, remarkable that, that this month is the confluence of several religious holidays of the major religious traditions around the world. And it's put into sharp focus the ways in which um, religion provides a very significant dimension to the pandemic, to the response to it. And of course, there's been um, religion has been part of the story in terms of the spread of the violence or of the spread of the, the pandemic, right? So forms of religious practice have, and massive gatherings around the world have been places where the virus has spread amongst communities. And as a result, there has been a huge adaptation of religious practice, restrictions on religious gatherings, um, and some pushback to that by, and resistance to that by, by members of the faithful around the world. But at the same time, you've seen this turn towards religious practice, turn towards religious narratives um, by followers in the midst of disruption in ways that have brought meaning, that have um, mobilized people to respond to the needs of the vulnerable in their communities, to organize mutual aid. Um, that have allowed people to adapt forms of religious practice in the home that have um, helped them to remain connected, to to deal with some of the feelings of isolation and loneliness that have been wrought by physical distance. So as always with religion and in the midst of any crisis, you have this ambivalent response, place, ways in which religion is um, contributing to some of the, the resistance to um, these, these public health directives to try to mitigate the spread of the disease and ways in which religion is contributing to the spread of the disease, as well as ways in which religion is helping to um, heal some of the societal fissures that we're seeing to emerge or to help care for the vulnerable or to just care for the spirit in the midst of um, this period of anxiety and disruption. You've raised some You've raised a, an interesting dichotomy here. As you mentioned in the piece, there are places where we're seeing this play out in Afghanistan, in Sri Lanka, Central African Republic, for example, things that are being done to further this. But there have been some conflicts with religion in the sense that some of the uh, more closed-off religious communities have found themselves at a disproportionate danger with uh, respect to the coronavirus pandemic because of the nature of their, their religion and how they carry it out in their social interaction. And I wonder... If you could speak to that issue. Yeah, you have seen a number of, uh, especially religious minorities in, the particular, in particular areas, facing um, a backlash. 
Some of it is because they have been pilgrims to places like in Iran, Shia pilgrims who have gone uh, to visit the holy shrines there. And of course, there's Iran has uh, experienced a, a great deal of infections. And so then when they return to their communities where they are themselves minorities, they face backlash from the majority communities there and sometimes from the government itself. So in Pakistan, for example, where Shia pilgrims uh, returned from Iran and some of them were infected, they faced a great deal of backlash. Here in the U.S., you've seen um, some of this backlash against the Orthodox Jewish community in New York and then the spread of some of these uh, anti-Semitic, these very old anti-Semitic conspiracy theories tied to that. In India as well, the uh, Muslim community there has faced a good deal of backlash um, that has been egged on by some government leaders um, and, and this sort of nefarious conspiracy theory, a COVID jihad connected to them, uh, accusations that they are intentionally trying to spread the disease. And so it's created vulnerabilities for groups that were already vulnerable and, um, and unearthed some of these, these tired prejudices, but then also led to a situation where the government itself is seeking to address some of the uh, the infections that these pilgrims or, or these minority communities um, have experienced. And in so doing, it's exacerbating concerns or tensions that they had about government control, um, about unfair, unjust, oppressive government control over them. You're seeing that as well among majority communities who some of the resistance that, that has been cited for government restrictions on religious gatherings and so on. It has in places where the, there has been um, restrictions on religious freedom in the past or the government has asserted authoritarian control over religious practice and speech, it's um, led to some sensitivities and some resistance to, to government actions because of those fears that, that this is just an attempt for the government to try to control religious practice and that even in the aftermath of, of the pandemic, those restrictions will remain in place. As I noted in the beginning of our conversation, the piece is religion can be a healing bomb for COVID-19's disruption if applied judiciously. I also wonder, Susan Hayward with the USIP, United States Institute of Peace, I also wonder if there is a concern, at least on your part or others, about the other. In other words, blaming somebody, somebody who is different and using that as an excuse. We do see a lot of coming together, but on the other hand, I wonder if this is also a door opening for finding rifts and trying to exploit those differences. Yeah, absolutely. We have seen a number of societal fissures around the world, including here in the U.S. Um, forms of racism, forms of xenophobia have been targeted against the other um, minorities. It's been targeted against refugee and migrant communities in different places around the world. But that's also where you have seen um, at the same time some actions taking place, sometimes precious few. And, and that's what, what we were really calling for in that piece was um, recognizing where this is taking place and and calling for increased activities to try to get ahead of some of these societal fissures then leading to violence. But in places, sometimes in these very same places where you're seeing these societal fissures, um, like in India, Sri Lanka, Central African Republic, um, here in the U.S., you're also seeing forms of multi-religious solidarity arising uh, to try to mitigate those tensions, to correct the misinformation and the conspiracy theories 
um, that that are arising and to try to show not just to address the messaging, but to try to create that multi-religious solidarity, to try to care for the vulnerable, to care for the economically insecure, for the refugees, for the migrants who, who are facing particular vulnerabilities in, in, in the midst of this infection. And um, and then to provide the, the spiritual health care to community members to ensure that um, those who are isolated in their homes are getting the kind of pastoral and other forms of care that they need in order to sustain themselves. Susan, I appreciate you spending time with us on POTUS today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Have a great day, Tim. Susan Hayward, United States Institute of Peace Senior Advisor on Religion and Inclusive Societies. The peace religion can be a healing bomb for COVID-19's disruption if applied judiciously. You can find it. I tweeted out the link to the piece which is available online she's the co-author of that piece and she is tweeting at Susie s-u-s-i-e at Susie o hayward h-a-y-w-a-r-d this podcast has been brought to you by the united states institute of peace and sirius xm's potus channel 124